Third John, and there is only one chapter. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Triotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write you, but rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. It's exactly one week till Christmas. Uh, When it comes to Christmas, uh, possibly half of what we think we know as the Christmas story is all only folklore. It's stuff, it's legend that's built up around the little bit that the Bible does actually tell us. Uh, And so the picture that we have of Jesus in the stable and all the animals surrounding him and the cattle lowing and all that stuff, it's all folklore. Um, We actually don't know where Jesus was apart from the fact that he was laid in a feed trough. What we do know is that because a census had been called, uh, Joseph and his wife had to travel to Joseph's ancestral home in Bethlehem. And, of course, they weren't the only ones who had to do that. A heap of people who didn't live in Bethlehem anymore had to, had to travel there. And so there was lots of visitors in town, and so there was no room at the inn or guest room. It could, the Greek word can mean either of those two things, the inn or the guest room. And so they laid Jesus in a feed trough. Now, we don't know where that feed trough was. It might have been outside in the courtyard. They might, might have brought it into the, into the house. They might have... Um, it might have been in a stable, who knows? But whatever the case, no one welcomed this birthing mother into their home. No one gave little baby Jesus a cot or a cradle to sleep in. What would we do? I mean, now that we know Jesus, would we hesitate to do that for him? If Mary and Joseph came to your home or my home and knocked on the door with baby Jesus on board and Mary's about to pop, would you say, oh, sorry, got no room for you? Of course we wouldn't. We would do everything that we could to try and welcome him into our homes, wouldn't we? 
I, I know I would. I, I'd give up my bed. I wouldn't need my bed that night because I would kneel on the floor worshipping the baby Jesus until I fell asleep on the floor. Now, today's message is muchly about hospitality. When Jesus came to planet Earth, no one offered him hospitality. But today, you and I can do that for Jesus. We can offer Jesus hospitality. Last week, I read from Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to do that again today. It's a picture of Judgment Day. And Jesus gives the image of a great separation of people. And he says it's like drafting the sheep off from the goats. Matthew chapter 25, reading from verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. All right? Whenever we welcome our brothers and sisters in Christ into our own homes, even if they're strangers, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're Christ's brothers. And when we welcome a stranger such as this into our homes, we are welcoming Jesus. Of course, Jesus then goes on to tell of those on his left who are the goats. Basically, he says, get away from me, you lot. You're going to the eternal fire along with Satan and his demons because you didn't do that. Reading from verse 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. That is a very confronting picture of judgment, isn't it? So let's come back to today's letter. Why did I just take us to Matthew when we're studying 3rd John? It's because in the third letter to John, we meet two very different characters, Gaius and Diotrephes. And one of these, Gaius, is a sheep, and Diotrephes is a goat. Um, one is full of truth and love, and he demonstrates his, the truth of his faith with hospitality and love. And the other one, 
is self-centered. He looks out for himself first. He rejects the brothers when they come visiting and, and when they come preaching the truth of Christ. And I reckon we probably couldn't get a better example of a sheep and a goat. So, the Apostle John is writing to a bloke by the name of Gaius. And like 2 John, we have the words love and truth just coming through over and over and over again. And remember what I said last week, when we see often repeated words, that's a glaring highlight to us that, hey, this is what this is about. Truth and love. And Gaius is a shining example of both of these, truth and love. In his greeting, John tells Gaius that he loves him in truth. That's like saying, I love you in Christ, because Christ is truth. And then he basically says, Gaius, I know that your spiritual health's pretty good. I pray that everything else is going okay and that your health is good. Now, how does he know that Gaius's spiritual health is good? It's because Gaius is walking in the truth. The brothers, as John refers to them, had visited Gaius. And Gaius welcomed them with open arms. And, and then the brothers returned to John and, and gave him a bit of a report card. You know that bloke Gaius? He doesn't just know the truth. He's living the truth. And that is the sort of report card that John likes to hear. That, that is the thing that gives John no greater joy to hear that disciples of Jesus are walking in the truth. This is what's most important to John. He's prayed that things would go well for him. He's prayed that his health would be good. But the most important thing, he's already got the report card on that. The most important thing is to be walking in the truth. Now, that caused me to think about the things that we pray for. The most common prayer requests I get um, might be prayers for healing. Or during a drought, it might be prayers for rain. And yes, let's continue to pray for these things, but they shouldn't be our priority. Let's begin praying more and more for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they would walk in truth. And let's pray for those who are not yet saved that they would be saved, that they would hear the truth and that they would respond to the truth and that they would receive the truth and believe the truth and they would be changed and begin to walk in the truth. Let's make that the focus of our prayer. Anyway, when these travelling missionaries came to town, they immediately recognised in Gaius truth and love. How? Simply by the hospitality he showed them. Now, if you think back to last week, some of you might be thinking, hmm, now I'm hearing a couple of different messages here. Because last week in 2 John, the message was essentially to be really careful not to welcome travelling false teachers into the church. And basically, anyone who welcomes a false teacher into the church is joining them in their evil. So do not do that. But here in 3 John, the message is to make sure that we do welcome and we do care for and we do provide for visiting preachers and missionaries who are teaching the truth of Christ. And so when preachers of truth come to our town, we are to welcome them. Welcome them with open arms and with open doors. Even if they're strangers whom we've never met before, 
it is a beautiful thing to welcome them into our homes. It's a beautiful thing to provide for them what they need while they're here. It's a beautiful thing to fill their car up with fuel because they're doing the Lord's mission and as they travel on to the next spot, they're doing the Lord's mission. And it's a beautiful thing to provide them, give them a cut lunch to take with them as they move on to the next spot and maybe even a bit of tucker to see them through the next couple of days. I guess what we're learning here is Christian missionaries should not be having to beg unbelievers to fund their service of our Lord. That's what we Christians should be doing. Now, it seems today that there's a lot of models of ministry that basically survive on government grants. But as Christians, we must be funding Christian mission. That's what we're called to do. And it's a blessing to do that. Um, I actually got a phone call during the week from somebody in another, in another spot, in a city actually, and um, he told me a bit about the mission that they do in their church. The reason he rang me is he listens into our, our messages and he's supporting the ministry of Bush Disciples as well. And he just rings me every now and then to see how things are going. And, and um, he's telling me about a mission that, that, that they run. And I think he said, I could be wrong, but my memory is that one day a week um, is funded by the government and that's, you know, they do lots of handouts for people and that sort of thing. And in those days, they're not allowed to preach the gospel and stuff, right? Because it's government funding. But on the other days of the week that they're open, the church funds it. And those are times when, yep, go your hardest. Um, preach the gospel, share your faith, ask people can we pray for you and all that sort of stuff. And that's, that's a really great thing, isn't it? That, that Christians are funding ministry as, as a way of, of doing it as a church. But it is a blessing to do that. And when we support missionaries, we become fellow missionaries. John says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a, in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. What, what's the name? The name of Jesus. Accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Now, I'm pretty sure I've said this numerous times, but I'll say it again. God doesn't call every one of us to be missionaries that head off into far lands. He doesn't call every one of us to be preachers who stand up in front of a church every Sunday. But in this sense, he does. God may not be calling you to be the preacher or the teacher in a church or the missionary that heads off overseas. But when, for the sake of the gospel, others have left behind their employment and they've gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus, we ought to support people like these. And when we support them, we become fellow workers of the truth. Now, as I read these letters of John, I, I just love the way, I just see it constantly that, that John is echoing the words of Jesus. And why wouldn't he? I mean, this is the disciple who walked with Jesus. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it seems to me that almost every bit of teaching that I hear coming from John is him passing on the words of Jesus. And at this point, I, I think back to Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus said to his disciples, 
Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Who's that, the Father? The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones, who's the little ones? We'll find out shortly. Even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, right? So the little ones are the disciples of Jesus. So whoever gives one of Jesus' disciples even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, sometimes we think, oh, I wish I could be doing more for Jesus. I wish I could be doing more for God. And we feel terribly inadequate about ourselves. You know, you might feel, oh, I'm not gifted enough to serve God in the way that others do. But we are. And we can. Simply by welcoming and supporting those who are called to mission and who are called to preach the truth. And that's what Gaius did. Right? So, so there's Gaius. Let's be like Gaius. Let's be a people of truth who walk in truth and who walk in love, welcoming workers of Christ, even strangers, into our own homes and supporting them and providing for them. When we do that, we welcome Jesus. Did you know that, that when you give your tithes and offerings to support those who preach and teach the truth and support those who go off in mission, you are joining with them in serving the name of Jesus. We can all serve Jesus in that way. So that's Gaius. Let's be like him. But then there's the second bloke, and he's a silly old goat. Diotrephes. This man is so full of himself. John says he loves to put himself first. Um, so much so, he won't even listen to the apostle John. He, he doesn't even recognise John's authority. Can you imagine that? Here's the apostle John, the man who walked with Jesus, um, offering teaching about Jesus, and Diotrephes doesn't want to have a bar of it. And when John wrote a letter to the church, Diotrephes wouldn't even let it be read in the church. And so John is hoping that he's going to get a chance to come there in person and set things straight. He says he's been speaking wicked nonsense against us. Basically, he's been sprouting slanderous lies and gossip. And when the brothers who were preaching the truth, right? So these were Christian missionaries who come with the truth of Jesus. They arrived in town. Drive Treffies would not let them into the church. Remember... Last week, we talked about if we are a church of truth, we'd better make darn sure we do not let false teachers come into the church and start teaching in church. Well, it actually works the other way too. This week in 3 John, we have an example of a false teacher who is leading a church, right? He's running the show. And false teachers, I can tell you this from personal experience, False teachers do not like it when a preacher of truth comes to a church. And that is what's going on with diatrephes. In fact, those who did want to welcome the, the true missionaries into the church, diatrephes excommunicated them. 
If you're going to welcome people like that, you're not welcome here. Get out. Can you see why I'm describing him as a goat? Not only would he not welcome Jesus as missionaries, he was kicking anyone who did welcome them out. And so the message of 3 John is choose who you model. Choose who you model yourself on very carefully. Now, most of us, at some time or other, are mimics. Is anyone here a bit of a mimic? Anyone a mimic? You are a mimic? <clears throat> Sometimes we find ourselves mimicking someone else. Um, I used to have an Uncle Neville. Some of you know, oh, Lauren knows him. She's probably seen more of my Uncle Neville than, than my own kids have. But um, my Uncle Neville, he sort of talked real slow and, and he had this drawl just like this. And, and within minutes of me being in his company, I too would start to slow down and I'd talk real slow. Does that sound a bit like him? Pretty good, yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, I, I didn't do it to take the mickey out of him, and I didn't do it to, to mock him. I just did it. It was just the natural thing for me. It must have been the Brumpton way. Uncle Neville Brumpton had just talk real slow. <laughs> Anyone that was with him would do the same. And, and that's the thing. It, it is so easy that we find ourselves mimicking those that we're hanging out with, and we find ourselves modelling ourselves on other people. And so if you spend a lot of time with people who use bad language all the time, you might find you start doing it too. Or if your mates are big drinkers, you might find yourself starting to drink a bit too much or a bit too often. If I spend time with gossipers, I might start gossiping too. Think social media. Or I might model myself on those who are rich and greedy and I, I see how much stuff they have and I like hanging out with them because they've got so many fun toys and we do so many fun things and then I start going, I wish I had that. And I start craving stuff and I, I get greedy too. And even in the Christian church, there are sheep and there are goats. And if I start imitating a goat, guess which side of the drafting race I'm going to come out of. And I don't want to come out that side of the drafting race because the goats are going to come out on the side of eternal damnation with the devil and all his demons. And that's why John says, do not imitate evil, imitate good. And, and there's a positive and a negative to this. The positive is whoever does good is from God. And whoever does evil has not seen God. Right? So he's telling us here how to recognise people within the church. And in this, I'm reminded of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 7, is where some who claim to be Christians, Jesus actually doesn't even know them. Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about those who are walking in truth, 
They're the ones who are doing it. They're not just believing the truth. They're walking in truth. They're, they're doing it. They're living it. They're doing the will of his Father who's in heaven. Verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Who's he describing here? He's describing people who are acting the part of Christians that fitted into the church real well. And not only that, they're doing amazingly miraculous things. It appears that they're operating in the power of the Spirit. But what does Jesus say to them? Jesus says, and then I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's what Jesus said. And now John is saying, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. He's talking about people within the church. Who are we going to imitate? Those who do evil by not walking in the ways of God? Or are we going to imitate those who walk in the truth and demonstrate the truth with love and hospitality that they give in the name of Jesus. Righto. So if second John that we studied last week is telling us don't give any welcome to false prophets and third John is telling us make sure that you do welcome godly missionaries, it's probably pretty important that we can tell them apart, hey. How do we do that? Well, Jesus told us that we can tell them by their fruit. You don't pick figs off of a thorn bush and you don't get grapes from a bramble. And that is pretty much exactly what John is telling us here. It's not only about what we believe, it's not only about what we say we believe. To walk in truth is to put truth into action. And in this case, the action is with hospitality and love. Now, the danger that we can fall into is outsourcing that. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes, as Christians, we try to outsource our living the Christian life. And, ah, oh, if someone's in need, we'll set up a church ministry to do that. Well, maybe if someone's in need, I personally am supposed to give them a loaf of bread. Or if somebody doesn't have somewhere to sleep for the night, Ah, oh, maybe the church needs to run some crisis accommodation. Whereas maybe we should actually invite them to come and stay with us for a couple of nights. It's, it's a really personal thing, hospitality. It's a really personal thing and it's, it's very personal to sacrifice our own private time, our own family time to welcome someone in. But that's what it looks like. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. That's true for us. That's true for preachers. And it's true for missionaries. So let's choose who we model ourselves on carefully. To, to be able to recognise and sort between what is true and what is untrue, we need to know the truth ourselves. We need to know the Lord ourselves. We need to know his word we need to be in a deep relationship with him. 
We, so we need to know the truth and be able to walk in the truth. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Peace be with you. Amen.